This may sound strange, but achieving the goal of no poverty by 2030 cannot be achieved by focusing on poverty alone. This is because achieving SDG 1 is about working together on the underlying issues that cause poverty in the first place. From funding to collaboration and everything in between, companies can be part of the solution. And that is what this new episode of The Rising Tide is all about. We are now in the decade of action, and here we'll talk with companies and experts from all over the world about how they're taking actions on the STDs. To learn from each other about the challenges, opportunities, and solutions on the road towards 2030. From the DRI, this is The Rising Tide. In this episode, SDG 1, no poverty. Now... There is something we have to understand before we begin, and that is that the 17 global goals cannot be approached individually. They are interlinked and there are synergies and trade-offs between them, and that's important to keep in mind. The lack of action on one SDG will have an impact on the rest. I think the problem really is, is that we tend to see the SDGs as being 17 separate goals. That's not an issue. We will not solve any sustainability by looking at goal five and then looking at at goal four and so on. It's about combination of all these goals that eventually turns into poverty reduction. And that's similar to our idea of of multidimensional poverty. All these factors go together and uh, affect each other. We're hearing from Anders Shadin, Program Manager at CEDA, the Swedish International Development Corporation Agency. So all these goals are, are interconnected and not separate. So, so I think that is a common problem that you see in particular with, with um, companies that then say, well, you know, we care about goal five. And, and, you know, then the risk is that you do something that actually does not provide the right incentives to reduce poverty, but it's something that is like an island floating away on its own. And and it's problematic because if you only solve one goal, you will not solve anything. So so the, the basic idea of the SDGs is fairly commonly misunderstood. I mean, it's not 17 separate goals. It's one goal with, with kind of 17 different outlets. Thinking about climate, there is such an important human dimension to that in terms of the impact of climate change, in terms of the opportunities within a green transition. Um, and so understanding the, the justice elements of climate are so important. Now we're listening to Sahid Torres Rahman, co-founder of Business Fights Poverty. And I think with that comes um, the need to understand how the teams within companies who might, one might focus on social, one might focus on environment, how they work together, um, understanding how the metrics are joined up. So I think there's this whole piece around how we integrate um, our different silos to tackle poverty, which is a very broad and multidimensional issue. Approaching poverty as a multidimensional issue moves it beyond a financial baseline, highlighting how sustainability issues are interlinked. In the same way, understanding the connection between the SDGs can help with formulating new ideas and solutions. So I've got quite um, a, sort of a mixed, interesting background. You know, I, I started off as a teacher in Zimbabwe. I've worked in government. I've worked in the private sector. 
But I think from my time living overseas, one thing that's really struck me is that people are looking for opportunity first and foremost, rather than charity. And so they're looking for a way to improve the lives of their families and those around them. And, and so one of the ways you can create opportunities is through jobs and enterprise. So I was always very interested in the role of the private sector, very broadly defined, in creating opportunity. You have skills everywhere and, and at every level. It's also part of the problem with, with poverty and, and being uh, under investment in, in people. You, you, you never know where the skill lies. Um, someone from poverty could actually be, um, you know, the, the next Bill Gates, whatever, you, you, you can't tell. So, uh, and of course, the, what, what you see is that there's a lot of, of resourcefulness the whole informal economy is, is an example of resourcefulness, where you find ways of, of creating incomes, innovative approaches to do something, to create some kind of, of income. So I think it's a way of, of, of using that, that there are a lot of people that have abilities, but lack the opportunities to develop them. So, so it is a matter of providing opportunities and, and make use of, of the resourcefulness that actually exists. Of course, attempting to create opportunities for people is like trying to solve a Rubik's Cube, but with 100 squares on each side. This means we have to come together to start moving the pieces from all sides. And one of the essential parts in this cube is the one that says financial resources. The backbone of development, especially for SDG 1, which has been traditionally associated with philanthropy. First of all, I mean, the, the solution to sustainability is um, resources, really. I mean, the, if you look at the Addis Ababa conference, uh, what, what they push really is, is the, the, the only solution to SDGs is that countries will have their own resources to, to solve that, their own uh, sustainability issues. But uh, as we see, a lot, of, most of the development countries have insufficient uh, domestic resource uh, to, to, to solve the SDGs problem. Then there is an, an estimate that you need at least 15% of tax to GDP to be able to handle SDG related issues. And that might be on the low side. Um, we know that development cooperation funds will, will not solve the, the problem because it's not enough money. So the resources are really within the private sector. And, you know, basically the companies are the ones that hold the majority of, of funds globally. How companies respond to the SDGs. And you see a lot of companies responding in participating in development cooperation projects. Uh, you see philanthropic approaches and so on. Um, but at the same time, uh, we, we know that most of the multinational corporations are engaged in, in tax avoidance. This is one of those elements in the Rubik's Cube that's not widely discussed. And it goes to show how poverty and the SDGs in general have layers of complexity that we don't usually see, but that are crucial if we want to address issues like poverty on a global scale. And that is, I think, the main problem now, is that the resources that, that should have gone to development countries in terms of, of tax incomes that could have been used to invest in people. And you know, the, the, you, you could see poverty as part of too low investments in people. So you have less 
uh, health, less education, less skills in order to get a job. And if you can't get a job with decent pay, it's very difficult to, to um, have a sustainable solution to poverty. It's all about jobs uh, and not about cash transfers or, or other mitigation approaches. And the only way to, to get people to get proper jobs with proper pay is to focus on health, education, and, and so on. And that requires public resources. And public resources are this far put in, in tax havens by multinational corporations. I think that they estimate that tax avoidance alone is about two to three times the total uh, ODA, the Development Corporation Funds. Um, and then you have... Uh, tax evasion, you know, the, the criminal part of, 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 of taxes um, that are not used in, in terms of development. And then you have low capacity in countries to actually collect taxes. And combined, and there's a lot of resources that, that could have been used to address poverty and the SDGs altogether that are unavailable. And, and if we can solve that, I think we, we, we go very far really into to solving the SDGs. Even though resources go a long way towards solving the issues, the opportunities people need in order to stop the poverty cycle don't just appear out of thin air. We have to come up with new ideas and perhaps more importantly, innovative ways of executing those ideas for lasting impact. That's why we have to face the challenges head on by asking the right questions and working hard and looking for the answers, which of course means we have to collaborate. Because none of us have the answers to everything, but all of us have part of the answers to everything. So if you can bring the right people together, especially those who are most proximate to the issues right around the world, then actually have a chance of solving things. So I've always been very fascinated about How do we collaborate effectively on the things we care about? If you really want to make a difference, you have to look at the human side of the solution in the sense that if you can build relationships of trust between potential collaborators, then we can work together much more efficiently. So when we realized that, we thought, okay, we need to much more intentionally think about how do we bring people together in a way that really deepens trust, as well as unlock insight, of course, but how do you build that human connectivity that's so important to any partnership succeeding? The follow-up question here would be how? How can we engage in this kind of collaboration? Well, the team at Business Fight Poverty came up with a method for doing so. I mean, it's very simple, actually, um, but it's about, and there's sort of five elements to it. The first is having a very clear why. And why are you coming together? And that question has to be very specific. It has to be something that really people feel passionate about. And once you have a very clear why, then you go into the second phase, which is finding the right who. Now, who are the people that have to be around the table? And sometimes that could be 10 people, could be 100 people, could be 1,000 people. But the important thing is to find the right people, not just for the technical expertise, but with the passion to do something about that question. And then once you have that clear why and the clear who, then it's the clear sort of what. Now, what are you going to do tangibly on that question? How are you going to move a needle on that question? Then the next step is the when, and that when could be, it has to be quite short. So we've done it up to nine months, but we find we can do it in 10 days, which we did for COVID. Um, 
three months is quite good, but it has to be pretty short. So, okay, what we're going to do in this sprint now together to move the needle on this issue. And then the final element is around the how, which is about really approaching it as an exercise of co-creation. How do we all genuinely and authentically come together to solve something? And we can't forget that when we come together to collaborate like this, we need to bring the right people to the table. But I feel that there's so much more we can do to bring the right people together around the world, especially those who are more proximate to the issues, especially those who are located in the Global South, into the conversation and into the co-creation process. I think if we're going to be honest with ourselves, uh, when you go into a lot of the organizations that lead on these issues or on the events that talk about these issues, they are not representative in terms of the people who go there. And I think we need to address that issue as a community and make sure we're much more inclusive and diverse in the way we go about collaborating. In order to generate a real positive impact on the road to achieving the SDGs, local knowledge, willingness and ownership are key to achieving long-term solutions. Like we say, you, you can't go anywhere unless you have ownership. And I think this is, is a great example of people that are affected by a problem actually try to find solutions to the problems that are based on, on their knowledge and not the way that we look at it. So I, I've seen a lot of, of, you know, simple solutions that works rather than, you know, these complicated, complex solutions that, that uh, come from from the outside. Because you, you know exactly what a problem looks like and you know how people approach that problem. And then that's why we say you, you can't go anywhere unless there is ownership and a willingness and a, to, to adopt this as a long-term solution. Uh, otherwise, you, you have a project and it works for a couple of years and, and when you leave, people say, well, you know, it, it, it's not really... I don't own it, so so let's forget about it. So ownership is is key, and and um, finding local solutions, uh, local culture, and 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 the local ideas on how things work, and and so on, is uh, is key. The takeaway here is that working on poverty and achieving SDG one is a matter of going beyond the obvious and reimagining how everyone can contribute and maybe take a more proactive approach to local development. You know, farms have done exactly the same since the at least the, the 1960s, 70s. You try to follow where growth and development happens rather than being part of creating um, the same. So, so you see a lot of, of, of these multinational companies that went to, to Taiwan, to Indonesia, now China. And now where, where the, the wages are, are increasing in China, they try to find somewhere else to go instead of, of really being part of building that relationship and, and building that society uh, in, in a more long-term uh, fashion. Um, so so it's, I think that that's part of, of, of the, the overall problem that you, you try to solve tomorrow's problem by doing the same as you did yesterday. I mean, in particular in Africa, you have a problem of finding skilled labor. In, in, in most of development countries, most um, labor is in, in the informal economy. It's, mainly due to, to lack of health, education and so on skills. So companies that try to establish themselves in Africa have a hard time of finding labor. And of course, that would drive the, the, the wage levels up. 
So it, it makes sense actually to, to pay taxes in order to get more, more, more workers in, in the labor force that could be employable. So, so that there is an, an element of self-interest that you could cut, uh, cut costs by actually doing differently. But the other problem is that if you're poor, you're not a consumer, right? You don't really have the, 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 the money to, to be a, a large-scale consumer. So, so it's also part of creating your, your, your own customers. And if we have a change in the ways that you produce, so you produce more long-term sustainable products rather than, than you know, now you have short-term uh, you, you use it for, for a while and, and then you get something new. In order to maintain profitability, I, I guess one of the solutions is, is to be part of creating more consumers. Uh, so, so I think that is, is also one of the issues that you're part of building a society. You participate in building growth, welfare, and you also get a payback by having more consumers. By having a long-term vision and taking an active approach to developing local markets and skilled labor, companies can move the needle on issues like poverty while improving their bottom line over time, leveraging the interconnected nature of the SDGs for the common good. SDG 1 is fully dependent on the SDGs for sustainable cities and communities, responsible consumption and production, climate action, just to name a few. And this is something we can't forget on our way to 2030. And remember, this can only happen if we find new ways of collaboration, funding and finance development to kickstart this decade of action. The Rising Tide podcast is co-produced by the GRI and Naranja Media. We want to thank Anders Shadin and Zahid Torres Rahman for sharing their time and expertise. We also want to thank the Swedish government for making this podcast series possible. We greatly appreciate the long-standing support for sustainable development work, catalyzing action towards the SDGs. My name is Sina Nybo Jensen. Thank you for listening. <laughs>